I'm Joe Goda, and this is the Let's Break Good podcast, where we never settle for good enough. Why is it that sometimes when you set out to create positive social impact in the world, you end up in way over your head with nothing to show for it? On today's episode, we look at the economics of social good and how to avoid the disastrous outcome when you do way too much and make very little impact. When can you know that you're out of balance and those overtime hours you're putting in just aren't worth it anymore? Stop wasting budgets, time, and energy and become a master of making more impact by doing less, not more. Let's dig into it. Let's get started. I want to break free. episodes ago, I shared a little bit about my latest project, Helpline SOS. Helpline SOS is a technology created for free and charitable clinics that aids them in answering COVID-19 calls when their in-person offices are closed or staff is just too busy to answer the phone. It allows incoming calls about coronavirus to be answered by staff and trained volunteers from the safety of their homes. We launched Helpline SOS in March at a clinic in Atlanta and saw immediate positive impact. We were keeping people who had been exposed to COVID-19 from going into work, getting them telemedicine appointments, and sending them through drive-through testing. We were helping to flatten the curve and doing our part to save lives during the pandemic. This was the beginning of the COVID-19 crisis, and we knew there were 1,400 other charitable clinics around the country that could benefit from this tool. We got really excited, took everything we had learned during the first deployment, and prepared to offer other clinics the same service. In a very short period of time, we had a bunch of new clinics signed up and eager to take on the tool. We had introductory calls with the clinics and told them all about the benefits of Helpline SOS. They signed partnership agreements and we got ready to go. However, once they got into the training and prepared to adopt the service, none of them ended up launching like in Atlanta. The new clinics told us, actually, it wasn't the right time for them. They weren't going to move forward with Helpline SOS. I took this as one of those breakups where they say, it's not you, it's me, but you know you did something wrong. What had happened? Our team sat down and talked about it. We took a hard look at what we were doing, and suddenly it was very clear. We were trying to do too much too soon. We were trying to take everything we had learned in the first two months of our project and then pack it into two or three hours worth of training calls with the new clinics. Our approach created something behavioral economists call decision paralysis. We were overloading the clinics who were already stretched thin with too many ideas and information. When someone is hit with decision paralysis, they revert back and grasp on to whatever they already know, the status quo, the old way of working, even if it's not better. Actually, it's pretty common, something that happens all the time with nonprofits as folks start out on their new social impact initiatives. A team is on a mission to solve a problem that is causing suffering, pain, and maybe even loss of life. At the start, they have a lot of motivation and enthusiasm. They do extensive research, maybe even run focus groups and stakeholder interviews on the issue. They create well-developed and detailed plans and then bring their solution out into the real world to start helping people. But then disaster strikes. 
the group they were trying to spend all the time preparing for and designing the solution aren't as enthusiastic as they are. They don't reply to the calls or emails. They simply aren't interested. They've rejected it, not because it won't help them, not even because they don't want it. It's just the idea of trying to make it work burdens their brains so much they decide, I want off this ride. When people are too overloaded with information, they can't process it effectively. Deciding becomes a chore, so they choose not to make the change. For social impact designers, this kind of behavior isn't good at all. So, for our projects to be implemented, the value proposition needs to be simple. Decision-making, easy. Yet many teams still hold on to the idea that the more we can offer, the better. So let's turn to another economics term behind why more is not always better. Marginal utility. Marginal utility is an easy idea described through pizza. Let's say you've been working hard on your latest project and you're really hungry, so you order a pizza. When the pizza arrives and the smell is wafting out of the box, you dive in and the first bite tastes so good. The first slice satisfies that hunger that was in your stomach. Maybe you dive right into the second piece and it's still pretty darn good. You were really hungry. Now, what if you decide to go on to that third slice? Maybe your stomach tells you to do it, even against better judgment. Maybe that one is still pretty good, but it definitely won't be as satisfying as the last two. What about a fourth slice? Or a fifth slice? Then you're asking for trouble. Marginal utility and social impact translates to a well-intentioned effort getting less and less value for every new thing you try to provide to the people you're trying to serve. I've seen this time and time again, whether it be adding more and more features onto an app, putting more and more lessons into a training. It's just that more is not always going to be better. Sometimes it has to do with people. I've seen a number of nonprofits where the attitude is everyone on the team should contribute from the intern up to the director on a new project. But more people do not always get things done faster. Think about it. Nine women can't make a baby in one month. Adding more people to try to get something done faster or better or bigger may actually backfire. The project can become too complicated and the best parts get lost due to the overwhelm it creates. The same is true about the number of hours you're putting into a project. When you get into working nights and weekends, all those extra hours when you're on that third or fourth cup of coffee, they just aren't as productive after a good night's sleep and some time away from the work. Now, how do we measure the impact of working too many hours on something with diminishing value that ends up not getting uptake because you've created decision paralysis? That brings us to our final and most important economic term of the day, opportunity cost. Opportunity cost looks at not only the loss due to the failure by trying to do too much, but also the potential gains you could have gotten by doing something else with all that time. What could have been gained if all that team effort had gone somewhere else? What if you had gotten those extra hours of sleep instead of staying up all night and overextending yourself? Opportunity cost is one of the least utilized ideas in the world of social good, and yet it may also be the most essential, because there's so much need and not enough resources. 
So let's go back to the story we started with. My team's failure of getting new clinics to benefit from Helpline SOS because we tried to offer too much help all at once and created decision fatigue that caused the clinics to opt out. To get past decision paralysis, we had to radically alter the approach to bringing new clinics aboard. We came together as a team, looked critically at what we were doing, and empathized with the groups we were trying to serve. We realized it was like we had a first good date with the clinics, and then on the second date, we were talking about the wedding, how many kids we were going to have, the house we were going to live in, and even the color we'd paint our new house. We not only were showing them how to use the Helpline SOS tool, we were talking about the future use cases, having them review long scripts and protocols, best practices, and encouraging how volunteers would be super useful to answer more and more calls. So we redesigned our entire onboarding process. Instead of it taking about eight hours to get benefiting, it was now two or three. We had made shorter training calls with all clinic team members together instead of splitting them up. It worked. Over the next three months, we went from just one clinic to 10 new clinics across three different states benefiting from Helpline SOS. We solved our problem by putting ourselves in the shoes of those we wanted to serve. Sometimes you won't realize you're doing too much till after the fact. And so I'm not saying you'll never feel like you've wasted time, but the key is to identify the problem early and minimize the opportunity cost. The dangerous pitfall I've seen other groups get into is when they get frustrated at all the work they put in and that people aren't using it, they blame the end user. It's an easy trap to put all that blame on the group that doesn't want it and to say, well, it's just their lack of understanding or ability. That's why they aren't utilizing it. In social good, when we see an urgent problem and have our hearts and minds ready to work to fix someone else's severe issue, we can often become blind to the fact that we've gone too far move too fast, and talk too big. When we get into helping others, sometimes we end up taking a little bit of a savior complex, maybe a bit of righteousness. You can't be everything to everyone. Sometimes we have to go with what we might think is just a little too simple, but in actuality is the right first step towards a larger impact. When we are able to push the needle on change slowly, but in the right direction, it may feel small, but could also be the most important choice made towards a bigger, more meaningful impact into the future. That's our episode today, and I want to thank everyone who made it possible. Our editor was Simon Green, our producer, H. Cape Clote, and advisor, Social Q Group, who make sure we go way beyond good enough each and every episode. I want to thank the team behind Helpline SOS, that demonstrated failure can be good, even great, if you learn fast and pivot quickly to a new way. Today's episode was recorded with Zencaster, hosted on SoundCloud, and spread through platforms like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. If you're interested to explore another aspect of the economics of social good, check out episode 14, The Price of Free. Lastly, if you want to do something that has very low opportunity costs but will have a lot of meaning for me, you can go and rate and review the podcast wherever you listen. Until next time, I'm Joe Agoda, and this has been the Let's Break Good Podcast. Podcast.